This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hello and welcome to the new european podcast my name is richard porritt i'm joined as ever by steve anglesey hello snowflakes a little bit later, we're going to be talking to Jerry Scott. Jerry's going to uh, explain the the one single thing that she thinks each of the party leaders could do. Now we're back. Yeah. To I can think of a few things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave. But I'm not sure. <laughs> Quit. Be, yeah. Uh, the thing that she thinks each of the parties needs to, to to sort of rescue any kind of credibility. Okay. Um, and then very special guest and a new feature which I'm very excited about. You've made a jingle, haven't I've you? I've made a jingle. Yeah. It's called the Brexit Blower. It's not as exciting as it sounds, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, we are going to get um, guests on. We've opened the TNE contacts book. Yeah. And we're going to... The old moth yeah. fluttered out. Yeah, and the pages all fell out. Yeah. And we're going to ring some people and see if they'll chat to us live on the pod. Yeah. So, this week, to start us off, former BBC journalist, very well-respected journalist, Gavin Esler... Ooh, yeah, who's written good. some great pieces for us. He has. If you haven't seen them, get on the website now. They're excellent. Um, so we're going to have a little chat with him later on. And, of course, that jingle. That controversial jingle. Which I've slaved over. You have. Um, so it, let us know end. if you like Let us know if you like it, listeners. Yeah, I think I'll know which way that folks Well, I, d- I think it's a close to genius. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I've sent it off to, to the Beeb, see if they want to... Get me doing some stuff for Radio 1. That'd be excellent, wouldn't it? Well, I'm target audience. You are, yeah. Ish. It does sound like a Mike jingle Reed, that might have been <laughs> produced by Radio <laughs> 1 in the 1980s, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and then uh, we'll do Brexit of the Week, of course. We will. But first... So we're going to do the news? Well, yeah. But slight problem with the news. Well, it's just the same news, it's isn't same-y, it? same isn't it? Very samey. So instead... I mean, Boris Johnson's a charlatan, we could say that. He is, yeah. Um, what else One could we say? One to another. Labour, have they really... Uh, <sighs> don't really know which way they're going to go. No. Theresa May, a little bit of a shambles, Good isn't dancer, it? though, isn't she? She is, yeah. She so, is a good dancer. Yeah, she's the greatest dancer. <laughs> um, so why gonna... don't we open the mailbox? Well, let's open the old the mailbox. Mailbox or the... mailbag? Well, it could be. So we asked you guys... Yes. To ask us some questions. Yes, we did. And that's what they've done. Yes. In their... Scores. Oh, scores. <laughs> yeah. Tens. Tens. <laughs> uh, but we do have some reader questions, and they are. we ask for reader questions about just ask us anything you want about Brexit, and I think we'll, we'll keep doing this... Um, we'll keep doing this week after week. Hopefully, there'll be some uh, some different news next week. I was hoping to get. I, I, I was willing to ask, answer questions about anything, not just Brexit. Yeah. So Betty if people Blue. want to ask me about yeah, Betty Blue. What's I your favourite scene? I yeah. think we know. <laughs> You'll see it on your little face. You can see that you're Sweating wearing your, already. You're wearing your apron. Um, I am. Yeah, and nothing else. <laughs> Podcast listener. Uh, Dagmar 
Makara, I hope I've pronounced that correctly, Dagmar, says, does anyone know what actually happens constitutionally when Parliament inevitably cannot support May's checkers plan or no deal? What happens then? OK, well, I can, um, I can give you an opinion. Yeah. Constitutionally, uh, it is like any other bill, isn't it? But my, opi- my opinion is... Yeah. Go on. I think she's got two options. Yes, me too. At that point, one is to resign. Yes. And the other is to go back to Brussels and say we need more time. Yes. Now we know um, that she is uh, good at clinging on to her position. Yeah. She's been through a lot. She's shown quite a lot of stoicism, and so I doubt very much that she will walk away from the job. Um, I think she'll go back to Brussels and ask for more time. The point then, though, is, and this is a critical point for, for me, is I think that. She's going to have to say, well, how do we get out of this mess? Hmm. We're going to have to ask the people. Well, Even though she's saying, no, 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 we're not, I think her hands really are tied at that point. Tony Blair agrees with me. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. We were chatting about it only But this he morning. agrees with that right-wing bloke from Italy as well, doesn't he, <laughs> who he's been photographed with. So. What do you think? Well, so I think, the, I think the, the order of play will be try and put checkers through in some form yeah. with but, some more concessions, but also concessions made to the... To the EU, but Labour are just going to then then a vote of but but also say that there'll be a vote of confidence if this doesn't pass. Right, win the vote of confidence, yeah. which they will do. Yeah, yeah. Um, more negotiations with a harder Brexit bent yeah. to satisfy the nutters. Yeah. Another vote. I don't even. I don't think that will have enough support either. Because no, no. I don't think Labour will. You know, definitely come down against a hard Brexit. So no deal at all definitely doesn't have enough support to, no, no, to no, carry. No, no, absolutely not. So, but then, so then we get to the point that you said, wouldn't we, second referendum, people's vote, whatever, let's all sort this out. Does that have enough votes to support it? I don't think it does have enough votes well, to support it. Yeah, I it. think the problem is, though, that and we I don't get think, to a point... And I, and I don't think there's enough votes to... I don't think two, a two-thirds majority of MPs would vote for another election as well. A snap election, rather. In, w- in which case, we have in a wi- fairly unprecedented, uh, unprecedented set of situations, set of circumstances, in that the um, parliament will be crippled, be gridlocked. Well, you would just say, to, uh, you would say to the EU, why don't we just continue in a transition phase until the, the twenty twenty two, and we'll consider, we'll, and we'll continue. Chipping away at our differences, and we'll we'll go on as we are until twenty twenty two, and then there's a, you know, then there's a potentially a, device, a decisive election. An election, yes. The, well, that's that is a, certainly would be an option, wouldn't it? Do, what do you it's think? A fairly, I mean, that is the the limbo option, isn't it? Not to re, not limbo dancing for Theresa May's benefit. She doesn't she have to do that. I, don't, oh, I think wow. she could. She would probably, under the mace. Oh, imagine that. Who could hold it? Well, Michael, they have to bring Michael Heseltine yeah, back. He's right. the only man who can wield a mace. Waves it around his head, doesn't he? Um, yes. Well, that be... I mean, that's. A, I think you make some very good points there. I think my my concern for about that would be that politicians would be concerned that if we get close to that, some politicians would be concerned that they would be told that they're not doing what they've been asked to do, mm. and they would face a general election. And they uh, would rather have a general election. No, I mean they would be f- going to a general election where they've been asked to 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 do Brexit. They haven't, yeah. and they would be worried that they would lose votes on the back of that. Especially some of these Tories in Brexit areas who are possibly Remainers yes. were, and equally Labour Labour uh, members in you know in Leave areas. Yeah, I don't think anyone. I talk to MPs all the time. I've not spoke to anyone on the Tory benches who wants a general election. No. Um, their their biggest concern about Brexit. In fact, I talked to a, a Brexiteer this week, although a fairly pragmatic one, um, who said that the scariest thing for us isn't anything about Brexit because they're not worried about no deal. They think, well, it'll be fine. Mm. Yeah, we'll take a deal, but no deal will be fine as well. Their worry is that there's a general election and Jeremy Corbyn wins. Mm. That's their biggest worry, yeah, not exactly, Brexit. Yeah. Um, so that that would be the thing I think that might be the stumbling block there because even if it's years ahead, Brexit will still 
what the Tories really want is Brexit to be done and finished and sorted by the time there's the next general election. Yes, that's right. Yeah, they do. But I don't think that is likely to happen. I'm, a lot, I've, I've read many pieces saying, pushing where this all these scenarios play out, Dagmar, that the, the scenarios that you're talking about play out and it pushes us towards a people's vote. But just for all the reasons that you've, you've said, Richard, imagine if there was a, about to be a parliamentary vote on whether we should have a people's vote. Mm. Imagine what the Leave Means Leave campaign, imagine what people like Aaron Banks, imagine the, 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 the social media money that would go on disparaging these people, imagine the, you know, so I, th- I, think, it's, I think a people's vote is extremely hard to, it's extremely hard to, to see a majority for. Yes. Even though it's the most sensible course of action. I think the fact that the uh, the People's Vote campaign is, is being really well run, actually. It is, and it's, brilliantly um, run, yeah. And the the team there have really got everyone together, finally, because it's taken some time for the Remain camp to get their together, hasn't it? But they have now. Mm. Um, and I think they really are adding to the to the debate, and I think they are... You yeah. know, we've seen like Andy Burnham, for example, this week, talking about it might be the, the only way out yeah. of this. And actually, if I was Theresa May, I'd be thinking, well, this is a good option for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because referendums, or if you're pretentious, referenda, are um, are a sign of when politics is broken. In yes, my opinion, they are. They're, they're, they're uh, you know, and they caught, they end up causing more trouble, um, as we've seen from the first one mm. to the latest one yeah, on yeah. Europe. Um, so, it's, but but politics is broken. So there's no point in hiding the fact that it's broken. Would a people's vote fix politics? I don't no, know. I don't think it would. Just whatever we've seen lots of polls this week as well about support for Remain going up and support yep. for people's fine, it's still going to be tight. It's yeah, yeah, still yeah. going to be tight. Um, this country is going to be divided for a generation on this particular. Um, well, it's been debate. divided for a generation, well, arguably before, hasn't absolutely. it? And it will continue to. But I think divide the, us. I think the divisions were there under the surface. I think they were there openly within the parties, especially well, especially the Tory party, obviously. Mm. But I think now it's. All out in the open. I mean, w- whenever you meet anyone new, you tend to know within about five or ten minutes w- which way they've yeah, voted. You do, yeah. back to your friend. Um, you so do. it's a great question. It is a great question. Thank you very much for that. Keep them coming. What else? Who else we got? Well, Steve Boyce said, "Currently, I'm getting informed. I'm writing to my MP. I'm being active on social media. I'm talking to friends about Brexit." As an individual, what more could I be doing to positively message the case for the UK to remain in Europe? If you haven't already, yeah. subscribe to The New European. Yeah. <laughs> These are our selfish ones, aren't they? I think that writing to your MPs is really important. And yeah. I think what we should say and um, you know, is, is that engagement with uh, politics in that manner is worth it. Even if you... Even if you Live in the most Brexity of Brexitville, mm. in a one Brexit Street, Brexitville. It's yeah. still worth writing to your MP and going to see him. Yeah, go see him. Go and see him at the surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and tell them, you know, they, they are your elected representative. They deserve to hear uh, your voice. Um, go I with think, a placard as well. I think that's good. I think that's good advice. I think. You know, we've seen. I, 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 um, I sort of put together the letters page in the, the letters pages in the New European. So I see a lot of. The, the, well, I see all of the letters that, that we get sent, the emails that we get sent, and the and the letters um, that are um, you know, physical letters. And um, that anecdotally, there is a big wave of pro Brexit MPs who are just refusing to engage with people who ask remain questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in some cases, I've seen some responses that sort of border on, you know, they're they're on the border from extremely disdainful to rude. M- to border to rude yeah. and borderline abusive. Yeah, um, and that is a thing that you will have to overcome. I would say that if you are writing to your MP and without trying to sound in any way patronising, I would keep it targeted. If you want a response, I would keep it as targeted and as short as possible and ask a question about whether they are going to support this or that or yeah, yeah. what they feel about uh, this. 3,000 words rather than going straight in the bin. Rather than delivering and, and how no matter how much you want to get it off your chest, no matter how you, you know, delivering a long run which reiterates all of these arguments, I would ask them a, a, a really targeted thing. Um, sorry, go on. 
Bullet points are great in letters to MPs. Yeah. The thing you've got to think is that the first eyes that go across your letter is probably not going to be the MPs. Exactly. And if it's some young researcher or whatever, they're very, very busy. Like like what their political views are or not, these people work hard. They do. For very little money, actually. Yeah. And that is... They're just... Not some big. MEPs. Maybe not. Uh, that is going to go straight in the bin. So um, just... Or it'll get a stock response. Yeah. Uh, you know, bullet points are brilliant. Three bullet points... The power of threes, very persuasive number. It Do is. everything in threes. Very 100 bullet so. points, again, bin. Yeah. You mentioned placards. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm a big fan of of, uh, of getting out on the streets and, and doing your... But even if there's only 100 of you, you know, yeah. uh, get out. I think we've got we've got some stuff coming up. I think there's going to be a protest at the Tory party conference in Birmingham. Get yourselves yeah. down to that. I'll be there. You will be. I will be there. With a placard or not? Uh, I think that might cross a boundary. Yeah, um, you are there as a journalist. I am there as a journalist. What about, uh, does anyone want to watch Betty Blue back in my <laughs> we should make that hotel placard. room? Should we make that placard, placard just for we fun should, and I'll yeah. get a picture? Yeah, yeah. Or if someone wants to make the placard for me... That would be even better, think, yeah. And then meet me, I would gladly walk around with, do you want to watch Betty Blue? Every, every week on the New European website, we, we have an article mm. which our colleague, uh, our lovely colleague, John O'Reid, puts a, together. A friend of his pod who's been on. He has, he's been on, yeah. Um, and it's got a list of anti-Brexit events uh, all over the country, and the headline is something like events, how you can how you can help the grassroots anti-Brexit campaigns. Yeah. So you can search for that. And just th- there are always things to go on. Just this week, there are events in Cambridge and London and Leeds and Cardiff and Oxford, Norwich, yeah, where we are yeah. now, Sheffield and York, and that's just this week. And I see again. I mentioned I, I look at all the, all of the letters that people send, all the emails and stuff. And again, every week I, we get at least one letter that says I feel really depressed about this. I feel quite alone. I feel like a voice shouting in the dark. If you feel like that. There are hun- there are mil- millions of us, you know. Sounds like my so, weekends. So it's, it's <laughs> Just get out there and meet some people who believe the same thing that you do, and and, and join in them, you know. Well, we've met loads of. Uh, uh, we you know we went to a screening of a of a yeah. remain film, didn't we've we? Been on a the few big marches. Ago. I've met loads <clears> of lovely people, and um, and it. Th- Two, I mean, I, I tend to cover these things as a journalist, so I have to just take a little bit of a different view of them. But what I, what comes uh, back to me from the people who attend them is that they're there for a reason, but they're having a great time as well. Yeah, it's good fun. These people are having fun, and because we are gentle, remain a snowflake. It's all done in the nicest possible spirit. It is. I mean, we would oppose any direct action. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't set anything on fire. No. I mean, if the direct action is buying us a drink afterwards... That would be ideal. That is a fine, yeah. yeah that's, that's a fine example. That's as far as... I mean, don't go swinging off the cenotaph yeah. or anything. Can I also say that you should... Um, if you like what we're doing, obviously you should subscribe to this podcast and you can support us on our crowdfunder at the New European, steadyhq.com. Um, and that is really important, our crowdfunder, because the more we can raise on that, the more we can spend on making the new European uh, even better, maybe get a better podcast host, <laughs> maybe get better jingle maker. I don't know. <laughs> they reserve judgment until you've heard the beast. And then, you know, more people, the, our ideas will get out wider and wider. So please, if you like the new European, please support us. Uh, SteadyHQ. The other great thing about the New European is that we are get all the MPs see this paper, whether they like to or not. Yeah, and um, that is really important. And we are really—I've spoken to someone very close to a very um, big beast Brexiteer this week, who this paper uh, really gets up his nose. Really? So yeah, so you know, stick Brilliant. with us. Stick with us. We're doing our best. Uh, Paul White hashtag Stand Up for Brexit asks, why are Remainers so boring? Oh, well, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, do you think... Well, I don't, not been on a night out with me, you and the Dalek, has he? No, not yet, no. He probably knows the Dalek, he's a Brexiteer. He is a keen Brexiteer, yeah. I, that, listen, let's take it seriously. Are Remainers boring? Well, I don't think Remainers are boring. Well, I don't either, but... Um, is it that we're sort of 
we have to deal with all these facts and expert opinions. I think there is an element rather of than just glibly going. Exactly. Deal with it. It's all going to be fine. Yeah. Hooray, we'll all be fine. I think. Just want to get out. The fact that we're taking it quite seriously yeah. and uh, not just going. Yeah, it'll be fine. Let's go to the pub. Yeah, yeah. Um, might be one reason that we're deemed boring. Sorry if we're over earnest about this. <laughs> yeah, um, this biggest uh, piece of uh, political change in our yeah. recent history. I should probably take it quite seriously. I did have a look at Paul White hashtag stand up for Brexit's Twitter. When he says stand up, does he mean actually physically stand up for Brexit? Stand up for Brexit. Stand yeah. up. For if you Bre- love Brexit, yeah. it's well, maybe be like stand that up comedy for like Brexit. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's I don't know what it is. Maybe Paul White hashtag stand up for Brexit will tell us. He had, he's got some good, there's some great content on there. Okay. Pin, his pinned tweet is Tommy Robinson is a great Englishman up there with the best. Right. And then. <laughs> Quite recently, <laughs> up there with the best. Up there with the best. <laughs> Tommy Robinson is a great Englishman. Up there with the best. And then he's got this baffling meme that he posted this week, which has right. got sort of, it's got kind of Roman armies on it and stuff like that. Yeah. And it says, "Hard times create strong men. Yeah. Strong men create good times. What? Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times." And I just wondered whether he was going to add in Charles Dickens creates hard times, <laughs> Nile Rogers creates good times. But, di- but didn't hard that. times create Hitler? Who I'm now going to mention Hitler in a podcast. Yeah, hard then... times created Hitler, who was a strong man, but he didn't really create good times. As nah. we said, Nile Rogers created good times. Yeah, yeah, I definitely take Nile over Hitler. Um, so it doesn't really work that. You're baffling me, Paul White, hashtag stand up for Brexit. Yeah, baffling. Um, anyway, Ben Truman asks, yeah. and we would, would have talked about this in the news, wouldn't we? We, we would, talked yeah. about it yeah. last week. Yeah. Ben Truman asks, with momentum unhelpfully kicking the issue into the long grass, what are the chances of convincing Labour to debate its position on a people's vote at the conference in Liverpool? Okay. Great um, question, it ben is, Truman. It is, it is disappointing um, that momentum have, in my opinion at least, um, done a disservice to their membership and I think there is a lot of their members uh, who are you know Remainers um, who are very upset about about this because this new type of politics seems very much like a stitch up job doesn't it just at the moment Um, but that said all is definitely not lost Um, there are some very senior um, front bench Labour politicians who are very very keen for Brexit to be debated Um, there are uh, currently, as we are speaking, constituency Labour parties are meeting across the country, um, and I think that for the vast majority of those, Brexit will be on the agenda. I think there's every chance this year of getting it debated. I think what happened last year was a disgrace, yes. um, and I hoped that momentum were, as I said last week, were turning a corner and, and going to do the right thing. If If they're so obsessed about um, delivering members what they want, you know, with regards to they don't call it deselection, but I certainly will. Is, then is, they should be doing the same thing on Brexit. Well, this is the ironic thing, isn't it? Because the theme of this conference, which for which for me is already a, a, a mistake, because it is talking to the Labour Party rather than and the you know five hundred and sixty thousand or whatever it is, rather than the entire country. Yeah. The theme of this conference is this so-called democracy review. Yeah. And which is intended to put more power into the hands of members, yeah. But actually, is going to put more power into the hands of the NEC, isn't yeah, it? And, yeah, and, yeah. And it, it, it's basically deselection is going to happen. Um, Purge. And and it, it seems crazy that it will it, it it would not deal with an issue that the vast majority of Labour members think is the biggest issue yeah. and the an issue that the vast I think what the Labour, Labour Party what Labour Party members and even more importantly actually momentum members need to do is to st- stop getting spoon fed stuff and yeah. go oh wait a minute yeah yeah this, this isn't this is not like on. it said in the brochure yeah, this is yeah. not how what was sold to me um, when you said that it was all about the people's yeah. choice and, yeah. and members choices it's you know look good things have happened um Ben um GMB's come out for a people's vote this that, week. That's where which it, is which is big. Absolutely where the where the change of heart will come from now, I think. I mean, um, in fact we very much predicted this in our power list at did, the end of yeah. last year. Um you know, if if the unions shift, 
then well, then it's then it's done. Yeah, it's game over. Then it's done. Paul Mason, you know, I, I don't regularly agree with anything that Paul Mason. No, but he's got says. a very natty leather jacket these days, and he's often to be seen in the. Uh, well, he's often to be seen. I've seen him in there three times now. He's often to be seen in the uh, in the French house in in London, which is my my favourite pub, pub of choice. Yeah, yeah best yeah, pub yeah, in London. Yeah, that's been for, for, for a long time, um, and uh, so so he's a, clearly a man of some taste and. You know, he is banging this drum and he's agreeing with Keir Starmer, who is, you know, Keir Starmer is from the, another, you know, he's, he's certainly not from the same wing of the party as... Uh, Absolutely, he's probably the most uh, centrist front bench. He is, isn't he? he is, yeah. He, uh, interestingly, at PMQ's, of course, uh, when asked to apologise over anti-Semitism, <laughs> Corbyn didn't, but also when asked about uh, ruling out a, a second vote, he didn't. Yeah, Something's getting through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's not quite. I think if it was down to just him, he would. Or yeah. down to Seamus Mill, they would. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think McDonnell is a bit of a cannier politician, and I think he's saying just hold it back and let's just see what happens. Exactly. And um, it's and the interesting thing is that Paul Paul Mason and and Keir Starmer, the point that they agree on is not Labour must call for a people's vote tomorrow. No. It is there must be a people's vote if. The deal is May's deal is Checkers deal or whatever deal yeah. version of Checkers she brings yeah. to the Commons is defeated, and that's and that is something that they should. And support. that is looking, I, I mean, well, like the, likely, really. Well, it is looking I mean, likely for whatever reason. For yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, we so, probably do one more, I think. Yes, exactly, and we've got one more, and uh, it's from Mike Civilly Zombie Tour. Wow. What is the likely future of Scotland and Northern Ireland, assuming we crash out with a no deal next March? Uh, well, in the case of a no deal. But, I mean, it's, I think it's in the case of anything, isn't it? In well, the case of really. any kind of exit. I think it's a really worrying time for the Union. You know, we thought, we, we thought that we'd got over that, that, that hurdle when um, Scotland, whether you, I'm sure, have yeah. differing views. That's another podcast altogether, isn't it? Um, but I certainly would have uh, given the choice, preferred Scotland to stay um, in the Union. Um, it is just an economic union, just like the EU, of course. I mean, you know, there's nothing, nothing else. Um, but I think they've got every right to say we didn't vote for this, yeah, yeah, and we don't want to be a part of it. So my uh, great fear would be that that Scotland, um, Scotland votes for independence. They get that, you know, we have however many years of of difficult times because of a, a hard Brexit or a No Deal, yeah, and Scotland. Uh, and the, the North, I'm afraid, it's just true, tends to get a, a, a bit of a, a bum rap when it comes to things like this. Mm. Um, and uh, there will be anger and people will... I mean, we've seen polls, I think it was a, was it a YouGov poll this week. That Delta said, poll. Delta poll that said um, that, you know, given a, given a hard Brexit or a no-deal Brexit, Scotland would vote for independence. However, if there was no... Um, no exit from the EU, they would happily stay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, my opinion on Ireland is a bit more delicate um, for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, I can see. I, I can't. I can't see a, a united Ireland anytime soon, um, and I don't think that Brexit is going to change that. Even though there was some suggestion that the Irish would obviously want to stay in the EU, yes. but so I think that's a bit more of a delicate one. Um, but. I think Brexit, uh, you know, causes grave, grave danger for, for yes. the union. I wonder whether they will have to have a Irish poll at some point, a Northern Irish poll, just even even believing strongly that they would win to to park it because yeah. it is clearly a coming thing. And and Delta poll did two polls, didn't they? Yeah. That came out this week. They did one in Scotland, forty-seven percent. Uh, for uh, an independent Scotland, if there is, uh, if we leave the EU, uh, and they did one in Ireland, which was um, remain. If we remain in the EU, forty percent, only forty percent would support reunification. Yeah. If we uh, if we have a soft Brexit, fifty seven percent would yeah. support uh, unification, and if we left with a hard border. It's up to fifty-eight percent, and that is quite yeah. a, you know. And then there were some don't knows as well. So that is quite a, uh, that's quite a thing. And uh, and I expected this to happen. I what I expected to happen with these two polls is that the Brexiteers would come out and say question was misleading. The sample 
was not right in some way. And Lee Reynolds from the DUP, who's I think is in charge of policy at the DUP, um, is it's an um, easy job. Should we ask for nine billion or ten? <laughs> ten, I think. Um, and he sort of he, he published something on Brexit Central, which sort of said this. And he said the sample's all wrong. It didn't. You didn't poll enough unionists. But the sample was weighted then. Yeah. Um, you know, I was looking at the data yesterday, and the sample seems to have been weighted to me. So, uh, you know, I, anyway. Um, but I think that uh, Mike, uh, Mike civilly zombie tour, I think that, you know, Scotland went 62% in the, in the referendum for Remain. Northern Ireland went 56%. These are much bigger majorities than, than the one for yeah. Leave had here. Uh, and and only a fool would be surprised if going against the wishes of that those numbers of people mm. made you made people in Scotland and Northern Ireland more fond of the union. Well, I hope those Brexiteers enjoy waving that union flag when uh, it doesn't look quite the same as it used to. Yeah, because um, it'll have bits removed. It will. Might just be a St George's flag. Yes. Would be with a dragon on it. Maybe. Although, <laughs> there is a poll out today that says the Welsh are now concerned about this as well. And really? They, and they have, uh, they're, t- they're, on the, they're turning as well. Yeah, that the, 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 uh, Wales is uh, now opposed to a, to a hard Brexit and would like a people's vote. God, so it's a shocking idea. There we go. Um, right, I'm going to speak to Jerry next, and then the jingle. Jerry. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Have you heard this jingle? I really want to hear the jingle. Okay, it's coming after you. So maybe if you get this time. I'll hang around, fine. (laughs) The jingle's great. I like your new watch. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Right, I want to talk, I want to know what one thing the three main party leaders. Yeah, and I'm fine. sorry if you're listening to Scotland. We we do we're talking Lib Dems. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I suppose you want something a bit more sophisticated than just Brexit. Quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit more sophisticated yeah, than fine. that. So we should, let's start with Sir Vince then. Yeah, He's, we're new term. We're back to school. What should he be concentrating on? Becoming relevant again. Yeah, yeah. And I I think it's obviously a perpetual struggle for the Lib Dems, isn't it? But it has been for the last few years. Yeah, certainly. but. Um, I I just think the only way they're going to have any shot at anything is to find their niche again and kind of drill down. But into... what is it? Because it, I mean, we thought it was Brexit. Yeah, and it's not, is it? It's not worked for them, has it? So we, we, there's been lots of whispers about you know meetings mm. with uh, with potential breakaways from the other two parties. Yes, yes, yes. Centrist parties. What the Lib Dems have said is there's no need for a new party because we are We're the centrist party. Do you think that if Sir Vince could convince any any Labour <laughs> any Labour Remainers to come over to uh, you know any Labour centrists to come over to the Lib Dems? Not at the moment. I don't no. know. I think the potential could be there, um, but I just think it would be for any of those individual MPs from Labour, they'd be shooting themselves in the foot. I also think I think that they would be better off. In a rebranded party, yeah, 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 and also what you find almost with shut Labour, it down and start again <laughs> with Labour um, MPs, especially they don't tend to cross the floor very often because it, it tends to have been something that they've grown up with from childhood. Their parents voted Labour. There was a reason why they, even if they're of the right, of the Labour Party, there tends yeah. to have been a, a, more of a lifelong connection with it's a bit it. Bit more of an emotional kind of connection, yeah, isn't it? As well, absolutely. Yeah. So then to to switch allegiances, I think is. I think it's unlikely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, yeah, I just think they need to make themselves relevant. I don't I don't even have any idea or advice on how they can do that because I think reputation damage, not as in, like, people hate the Lib Dems, they don't, but it's just a bit of a meh situation. Yeah. And I think, I think well, a, I'm going to... Meh. Meh. Yeah, that's a millennial thing for all the older <laughs> listeners. Like me, you happen to be over 25. <laughs> Over 25, are you, Richard? Just about, yes, just about. <laughs> I'll be over 25 next Friday. Oh, goodness, go away. <laughs> right, come on. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's what I think for the Lib Dem. All right, what about Jezza? I think it's going to be anti-Semitism still for Labour, actually, because I know we had the, the party finally adopting the um, IHRA definition yeah. of anti-Semitism, even though... Um, was Jeremy wanted to add that, what, page and a half. Done with a struggle, oh, wasn't it? I know. You can't do anything right. Can't, can't do anything easily. Um, so, yeah, I don't really think it's going to go away. It kind of looked like it might be. 
Um, it looked like they might have turned a corner, but Jeremy, yeah. again, has not done himself any favours. No, and people are still unhappy. Like, um, this could have been a bit of a harmony with it, I guess, but um, you've got people at Navara Media, mm-hmm. um, who are obviously Corbin, um, Corbinites. Um, they've called the move shameful and incompetence and cowardice combined. Yeah. Um, and then um, kind of the Jewish community aren't all happy either. Um, because Corbyn tried to put that, you know, qualifying it with with that bit at the end, which the NEC rejected, didn't they? Um, so I think it's still going to go on, to be honest. And they could have spent this summer opposing, you know, all the disastrous stuff that well, the government's doing. They could have doing their job, which is yeah. indeed opposing. Yeah. Uh, instead, they've had a massive internal row. Yeah. And which... even if this whole row is resolved, there's still going to be so much to do, like enforcing the code... Um, any like disciplinary action and things they might want to do, but kind of examining what went wrong as well. And it's a complete shit show. As I, I mean, I've made my views on this fairly yeah. robustly known on this podcast. Yeah. I I take very little comfort from what happened this week. No. Um, I think they, this only happened because of the backlash and the outrage mm-hmm. of right-thinking people, um, and. I think that it's been a wasted summer and longer for for Jeremy Corbyn and for Labour, and it is um, just the inability to lead a party and to lead an opposition. It absolutely paralyses them. And and actually, what I mean, the the one thing that Jeremy actually should um, do, in my opinion, is to come out and say we should have a people's vote on the final deal. Yeah, 100%. And yeah. watch his poll rating go through yeah. the roof. Yeah, if we're going to if we're going to look at Brexit, which they all should be obviously be focusing on as well. Of course they should they should say that. But you see Jeremy, I don't think he's that bothered about being prime minister. No. I think he's probably quite worried about being prime minister. Oh god, yeah. I think he'd, yeah, what he's, what he what keeps him awake at night. He wants mm. to reshape the Labour Party and not and not get the top job. And not uh, well, I actually take it giving it to him. Ooh, but okay. I don't think that's his I don't think that's his uh, main priority sadly. No. All right, then, what about everyone's favourite little twinkle toes? <laughs> Theresa May. I love the dancing. Yeah, I, I know, I do, I do. More dancing, Theresa. I'll talk about Brexit in a second, but aside from Brexit, the Tories really actually have to get a grip on social care, which right. I know is a bit left-field. Okay, and probably no, 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 like this, yeah, yeah. Um, there's this green paper on social care, which is particularly about the funding, um, that is, they've kind of been putting off releasing. And there's this theory that when it gets published... They're basically going to say, look, there's no money for looking after our elderly people. Um, It's gone to the NHS instead. But what this means is that local councils kind of all over the country are being left to flounder and look after social care on their own when really they don't don't have the money to do it Mm. and they're not able to. Um, Just this week, you had the charity Independent Age saying that care for the elderly is on the brink of collapse. And the older people in England are being increasingly let down by the system. And it's like it's a topic that kind of turns most people off. A lot of people don't think about it, but we've all got parents, we're all gonna get old. Well, exactly. And it is really important and they've completely taken their foot off the pedal with it because I guess they've been focusing on Brexit, although nothing's not very really well. no, not very well. There is a solution to this. Go on. And it's come in my opinion, it comes from somewhere Perhaps you've just disregarded the party where it comes from. From the Lib Dems? From the Lib Dems. Interesting. Penny on income tax. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, not, it's been, not new, is it? But Oh, God, they've been talking yeah. about it since the 80s, I yeah. think. The Tories are never... Well, I, well I'd say never going to raise tax. They're going to have to raise tax, oh. of course, to get that supposed Brexit dividend into the NHS, <laughs> that £384 million a week. Yeah. Um, so... I agree with you completely that the, the social care crisis is not going away. No. I agree. It doesn't get the... It's not... Often doesn't have those sexy headlines no, that really gets people... No. And, and it's often one of those things. It's human nature, I think, to try not to worry about what happens to you when you get old. Yeah, because no one wants to think about it. Exactly. But there does come a point... Yeah, happening to me. Is it? <laughs> where you have to think, well, no, I'm not that old, but, you know, but... You get a carer in. <laughs> Yeah, that's what my Tinder profile says. <laughs> Care I wanted. <laughs> it's shocking that you're not having much success, Richard. <laughs> How do you know about my success on Tinder? <laughs> you're right, I'm not having much success in getting a carer. Um, but but in all seriousness, I absolutely agree with you. And I tell you what, be a big vote winner. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Okay, so quickly, because yep. Gavin 
Esther is waiting for my jingle and phone call. <laughs> What's next? Brexit. What, yeah. What's she doing Brexit? Uh, it, it, I, you know what? I Obviously, I want a people's vote. You want a people's vote. We all want a people's vote. I say we all. We that all listen to this That almost sounded like a jingle, didn't it? <laughs> you want a people's vote. I want a people's well, vote. Well, as you know, I've just got myself a new piano, so maybe I could... Oh, uh... Achingly middle class. <laughs> Oh, come round and listen to Chopin. Just gather round, I'll play you a Brexit tune. Oh, I bet you do. I bet you do like East End, like Cockney stuff, don't you? Oh, that's me, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a bit more chopsticks, to be honest. I'm from Great Yarmouth, so be end of the pier. Oh, yeah. End of the pier of... sort of ditties. Mm-hmm. Probably a bit of blue. Yeah. Oh, I do like a bit of blue. Oh, my <laughs> But what should Brexit, the Tories Brexit. do on Brexit? Goodness me. <laughs> Um, I think I actually think it's too late. They've got to focus on it, but it's difficult to say what they need to focus. Just not making it an absolute screw up is really what they should be focusing on. Uh, we've mentioned this um, previously uh, on this podcast, and we'll doubtless mention it again today. It is um, to is a way out. For, I know we're talking about the people's vote a lot. It's yeah. a way out for Theresa May out of this mess. Her people's vote. Yeah, I think so. I think She's there is no other way out because we're hurtling towards a No Deal. Her focus has got to be, you know, avoiding a no deal. So she but... said this week there will be no second referendum. Yeah. She won't sanction it. No. There are mechanisms, though, Steve and I have just been talking about it, <clears throat> where that might happen and it's sort of taken out of her control anyway. Okay, do you think that she would be quite happy about that? Secretly, yeah. Mm. I really do. Well, she was she was a Remainer, wasn't she? And I, I don't think, you know, people change their opinions that fundamentally. No. And I still think that, that, you know, she recognises that it's her job to push this through but I doubt personally she's very happy about it I agree completely um, you only have to look at her face when people say do you agree with Brexit she won't answer will <laughs> no, she no she won't answer at she least won't. to be fair to her she won't lie well yeah um, alright well new term is well underway yeah conference is looming we'll preview them in the weeks coming and I, I want to see pictures of the them. leaders in front of front doors ready to go yeah what with their school uniforms yeah, on absolutely. Course, <laughs> yeah that's what I want to see Jeremy Corbyn little hat I've seen far too many school uniforms this week far too many <sighs> Jerry thank you as always who's on the Brexit blower this week hello Gavin are you there Yes, I am. Fantastic, sitting, fantastic. Sitting Gavin, Gavin Esler, <laughs> broadcaster and journalist, uh, formerly and most recently, of course, the BBC and still does stuff for the BBC. You are the first guest on our on our Brexit blower, so thank you for picking up the phone. <laughs> Not at all, I'm looking forward to it. So you, you, you um, wrote an article for us a couple of weeks back now which has had tonnes of reaction online and I know a lot of people... Um, enjoyed reading it in print as well. A lot of the readers have, have said what a fabulous piece it was. Just explain to us a little bit about that and a little bit about the thinking behind some of the things you said. Right, well, I, you know, I, as a journalist, I covered the, the, the Brexit referendum a couple of years ago and I covered the result in, in Scotland, in Edinburgh, where, which is where I grew up. Uh, and, you know, I accept the results of democratic votes. Uh, I thought it was a terrible, dispiriting campaign on both sides. I thought that, that it was that it was really one of the worst political campaigns I've ever seen on both sides. But I accepted that, the result because that's what you do in this country. Mm-hmm. You accept uh, democracy. But over the past two years, it has become absolutely obvious to me and actually an increasing number of people that the campaign itself was full on the Leave side, as we discovered from the, uh, the Electoral Commission, uh, with cheating about the money. Uh, it was full of lies. And the people on the Leave side, who I never trusted very much anyway, many of them, uh, have proved to be utterly incompetent. And it, it, it struck me that, you know, Brexit is coming apart, not because people opposed it, but because the very people who said it was such a good idea either don't know what it is, have completely different versions of what it is, and 
are certainly incapable of coming up with a plan that is coherent. And that goes for the Chequers plan, it goes for the stuff that uh, uh, Nigel Farage and others are saying. They can, Mr. Farage is great at saying everybody's betraying us and it's all terrible. But when it comes to something practical to make life better for our country after Brexit, none of them came up with a plan. And I, I just simply reflected my own personal anger and disappointment and that that I've discovered from talking to people up and down the country. Yeah. And and now, of course, you're you're back in the people's vote. There is a lot of people who who have, who say, including the prime minister, in fact, you know, that's not going to happen. That would be undemocratic. Why do you think actually that is the most democratic thing to do? Well, I, I mean, this is a prime minister who uh, forces into an election that nobody particularly wanted in 2017 in mm. order to get a mandate to negotiate Brexit, and she mm. hasn't got it. She lost seats. Uh, the Conservative Party were elected in 2015 with a, a good majority. She lost that majority. She hasn't got a full mandate. She's the best we've got, I suppose, under our system. She doesn't have a mandate. Mm. Secondly, her party's completely divided on it. The idea that Brexit would solve the internal problems of the Conservative Party. Well, David Cameron, how is that going? Perhaps you could come out of your shed in, the, <laughs> in Oxfordshire and tell us. Um, and I think he's going to emerge. And so... I came round to the conclusion that we need to vote as a country for, uh, because it's the democratic thing to do uh, on what the deal is that we're supposed to be having. Because, you know, I, I laugh when I hear the Brexiteers, the Brexit bunch say, let's get on with it. What is the it that we're supposed to be getting on with? Yeah. There's so many different versions of it. So the only answer is to, to, is to have a people's vote. And actually, you know, the other argument sometimes used against it is, or would be divisive. Well, divisive compared to what? Divisive mm. compared to having a, a minority conservative government imposing a Brexit that nobody particularly wants. Even Nigel Farage says that we're being betrayed. He doesn't want it either. Um, a divisive compared to uh, polls in Scotland and Northern Ireland suggesting that they might wish to go their own way in the future if, if a shambolic Brexit happens. So that's divisive, it seems to me. And a people's vote may just bring us back together and is certainly the democratic thing to do. Um, how is time running out though? Because you know the, the prime minister seems very close to that idea, doesn't she? We're, we don't seem to be getting um, much budge from from the Labour Party. Is it is it actually feasible? Is it doable? I think it's difficult, but it's doable. And again, what is the alternative to blunder into something that nobody wants and nobody's happy with? Well, uh, look, I. I've spent a career uh, in journalism and I've seen some really good politicians who I trust and I've seen some really awful ones and some one or two despicable ones. Mm. The truth is most people in the House of Commons of most parties want the best for the country. Yeah. But most people in most parties also quite want to be re-elected. Mm. And they, if, if the people of this country make it quite clear that this is the biggest thing uh, in, in our political lives, perhaps for a generation or two, and that they really have to get off the fence. I think more and more politicians will support the idea of a people's vote. And they know, I mean, you don't have to just switch on the news to hear it. They know how divided their own parties are. Mm. It would get the politicians off a hook if they could say, you know what, it is the democratic thing for the people to decide. There's one other argument that's sometimes put against it. Oh, we had a vote two years ago. Well, you know, we had two general elections within two years. That wasn't seen as undemocratic. Mm. And this is much bigger than a simple general election because this is not we can throw the rascals out after a few more years. This is forever if we do this. And if we do it wrongly, it will be something that our children will curse us for. Yeah, and that's the uh, that, that's the, the thing that hangs over a lot of um, the, looking towards the future, isn't it? The fact that um, 16-year-olds weren't allowed to vote, that the, the, by and large the younger population were in favour of remaining. Um, it, do you think the people's vote should include 16-year-olds? Do you think the original vote should have included 16-year-olds? 
Well, that's that's a really interesting question. I mean, I, I, I'm happy if, if if we just have a people's vote, and I'm also happy if MPs decide exactly what the content, what what exactly are the questions. I would be happy with that. My personal view, when I covered the Scottish independence referendum a few years ago, I thought at first that 16-year-olds, no, they shouldn't have to vote. I mean, really, do they have the maturity? Are they interested? Are they engaged? I was completely shocked how brilliant teenagers were at figuring out the issues, asking for facts, you know, something which has not been, has been rather lacking in the Brexit debate. Right. What are the facts? Uh, and, and so I was, I, I changed my mind about that uh, because of the Scottish referendum, because of the maturity and the good sense of many 16-year-olds that I came across, whatever they decided to vote. So my personal view is uh, it's absolutely fine under the, the election that we have. That's the electoral system that we have in terms of people's vote in the normal way of people over 18. But in the longer term, I see nothing wrong with having 16-year-olds vote. It's their country too. Absolutely. And if there isn't, I mean, I think we all, you know, we're among friends here. I think we all would like a people's vote. But if, if there isn't one, is there any route to... Um, a successful Brexit, or at least, you know, the least harmful one. Is there any route from where we are now with checkers and the arguments that are going on in the Tory party? Is there any way back? Well, that's a a really good question. I mean, look, I I deal a lot with businesses and, and, and business people, and I admire them greatly. And, of course, many of them think this is... It's pretty disastrous, the course that we're on. And the one thing that comes through when I talk to them is they say, if we were going to do a very big thing in our business, we would decide exactly what that thing is before we set a timetable for when we have to do it. And Mrs. May has done exactly the opposite. She has told us all that some big thing is going to happen by the end of March 2019, but we still don't know exactly what that big thing is. So one thing that could happen is to postpone it, to uh, to withdraw Article 50 would be one possibility. That seems to me a very sensible possibility. You, you, you end the timetable, and I, the European Union would be bonkers not to agree to this. Yeah. Absolutely bonkers, yeah. because it, effectively they'd be ejecting us from the EU. So uh, Mrs May could simply say, I know it sounds humiliating for her, but not as humiliating as a bad Brexit. Let's postpone it till we know what we're doing. I mean, you would do that if you were buying a house. If you found that the house, the survey was terrible, you wouldn't go ahead and buy it. You'd say, well, let's postpone it till we see if we can fix it or get somebody to fix it. That's what we need to do. There is a way out of this. There really is. So what do what do we do? Get behind the people's vote, take the placards out and let our MPs know that they do have another option. Yes, and exactly. And there are people all over this country who have never been involved in politics before, who've never been involved in a political campaign, who really want to a, a better future for themselves and their children, who would get involved. So what I'd urge people to do is get involved with the People's Vote, get involved with whichever local groups. There's many, many local groups. Uh, I've seen them in, in the small towns in, in England in particular, where I'm travelling around uh, at the weekends. Get involved with these groups. Write to your MP and say, why would be a... Why would asking the people be somehow undemocratic? Why don't you come and join us? And be nice. Be nice to your MP. Don't don't be rude and don't don't uh, don't shout at shout people down who disagree with you. And if you've got friends, if, if if you voted for Brexit, just think about: is the Brexit you're likely to get the one you voted for? And if not, maybe we should all take a deep breath and vote again. That sounds like good advice, Gavin. You, your your stuff that you've written for us, um, which is all on the website, so people should really go and check it out. Um, it is is really cutting through the noise. I think at the moment you've really um, you've really touched on um, touched on a nerve for a lot of people. So thank you very much for that, and thank you for your time today. It's been a joy to speak to you. Maybe we'll have you on again soon. I'd love that. Thank you very much, Richard. Thanks, Gavin. Brexiteer of the week. Welcome back. That was fun. I think we should play the jingle more often, not just once. Not just once. Might what play about again a whole podcast of Just the of the jingle. Yeah. Or I could do like a 12-inch version of it. <laughs> a remix. <laughs> a remix. With okay. Jerry rapping over it. Watch this space That'll on that good. one. But we need to do the Brexiteer of the Week. Steve? Uh, yes, the Brexiteer of the Week. The mm. week's worst Brexiteers. Yeah. Should we start with Julia Montague? Yes. She has been on primetime TV every <laughs> Sunday night 
Not one mention of Brexit. Yeah. Totally hopeless. Do you, have you have you watched this? Yeah. It's garbage, isn't it? Yeah, I don't like it. I don't yeah. like it either. Yeah. Everyone loves it. No, I can't see it myself. Yeah. But there you go. And and the the worst bit. They've got no. The, my my problem with it is that they have got no chemistry whatsoever between them. And also, I'm I'm just not very in, interested in it. I quite like seeing the um, the Tory strategist from the thick of it. Yeah, I know that's amazing casting. That yeah, wasn't yeah, it? yeah. The, the mad thing about it, I think, is there's two things I don't. I don't like the. I don't say the action sequences have been yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That sort of. But the, I don't, I'm not keen on the music. I'm not keen on the camera work. Really, yeah. I mean, I know it's done on purpose. And what so do I know? You don't like the music, the camera work, or the acting. Um, I haven't got a view on the acting oh, okay. particularly, but the sex scenes are not nice. There was one in the second episode where it was just a close-up of kissing for yeah. like three minutes. Ooh, kissing? Home secretary, kissing. Yeah. <laughs> and also, come on, the guy that shot at her, he's like his best buddy, and they haven't put two and two well, together. Uh, I mean, that, Keystone that is, Cops, that what? is preposterous. Anyway, got Brexit here in a week. Come on, come on. Well, so Julia Montague, we've, yes. we've done it. Special we talked about Nigel Farage down under. <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, that's an enduring <laughs> image, isn't it? Um, Rack off. You would have thought, wouldn't you, that if anyone you know, was aware to the dangers of impo- importing toxic amphibians, it would be the Australians. Yeah. But they brought over, <laughs> in 1935, they brought over all these cane toads yeah. to, to eat the sugar cane bugs, and then they discovered that the... Cane toads were being eaten by their dogs and whatever, and then their dogs were dying croaking it. because they are croaking it. That's good. Yeah, That's yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah, you know, yeah, you should yeah, be. Yeah, should yeah. be a podcast host. Doing something else. <laughs> uh, and, um, and then they secrete, like Nigel Farage, they secrete deadly poison in their glands, yeah. the cane toads. So all the dogs ate the cane toads and then they died. Anyway, we'll, we'll return to this. So years later... They've opened their doors to the nicotine stained man from. Yeah. And he was doing a tour. He's on tour in Australia. It's, do you know what his tour's title is? I think we mentioned this I, last I week. I do. I've seen some pictures as well. I think it's called, is it An Entertaining Evening with? An Entertaining Evening with <laughs> Nigel Farage. And last Sunday, he opened in Perth uh-huh. and he was all chipper and he tweeted. What a successful start to my tour of Australia. We are mainly sold out. Mainly. And with not as. as Quite often with Nigel Farage, it's very trustworthy. Not strictly a hundred percent accurate. Ah, ah. So what happened was he'd sold out. He didn't sell out Perth, no. but there's quite a few there. Yeah. Small room. Yeah. He didn't sell. He had sold out the Adelaide Town Hall meeting hall. So not the actual Slappy town name, hall. The Adelaide Town Hall <laughs> meeting hall. The meeting hall inside the town hall capacity 160. Right. However, I looked up on various websites and. Um, you could get tickets freely available in Brisbane and Sydney and Melbourne, which are Sydney and Melbourne, obviously. In fact, Brisbane's the third biggest city in Australia. I think so, yeah. So that's the three biggest cities. Then I went to a website that said you can get discount tickets right. for Nigel Farage, Ooh. which would indicate that not quite sold out. Yeah. Brisbane didn't have discount tickets. Melbourne and Sydney, heavily discounted, 40% off uh, on general admission and 70 quid basically, off uh, VIP, where you could have your photo taken with Nigel Farage. Just pop uh, down the and smell his, smell his beery and nicotine-y nice. Uh, nice. sweat. And, um, and then uh, we've discovered recently that he, in Brisbane, the capacity was 2,500, and we think that less Vicious. than 500 turned up. And then Sydney has now been cancelled. Cancelled, uh, and um, but as you know, Ian Faith said in in Spinal Tap when they cancelled when Spinal Tap cancelled Boston, we've cancelled Boston, but don't worry, it's not a big college town. So he's had to cancel this, and and there's a wrangle about whether um, whether it is because of um, uh, poor ticket sales. They sold less than half the tickets there, uh, or whether. As Nigel Farage says, he says basically the coppers, the the, the venue were t- uh, taking the piss with sec- and asking for too much money for security. Anyway, um, Nigel Farage also to promote this tour, he went on. It's a fantastic thing you find it on YouTube. He went on a thing called the Bolt Report on Sky News, uh, Sky News Australia. This bloke's called Andrew Bolt, yeah. and if you can imagine like a less cuddly version of Bill O'Reilly. Oh. He's, he's like this. Uh-huh. And when I turned this on, 
he was talking about, he was showing pictures of Aretha Franklin's funeral, which I remember being quite a beautiful yeah, occasion. Yeah, nice, yeah. He said it was an orgy of hatred. Oh, against um, who? Against Donald Trump. He oh. said it was totally disrespectful. Very disrespectful. How dare she uh, die? How dare she die, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and he was uh, and he was on, and then Nigel Farage came on, and they were talking, he, and he said to him, um, he said to him, is it, he introed him with the words, Nigel Farage, you are a far more substantial figure than Milo Yiannopoulos, which is high <laughs> praise indeed, isn't it? Milo. Anyway, and then they talked about how difficult it was to be a right-wing controversialist. Nigel Farage said he'd been to, to Edinburgh and been racially abused. Yes, yes. Um, aware of this. Which is, obviously, they went on about people's houses being targeted. Um, and they neglected to mention Joe Cox, who was actually murdered by a far right. This sounds like a complete nonsense. Activist. Um, do you know what the cure for the Australia's cane toad problem is? Because <clears throat> uh, I'm worried that Nigel Farage's his gigs are getting cancelled now, because the cure for the cane toad problem yeah. is they make sausages yes. out of cane toads, Ooh. and then they feed them. Fling them on the barbie. They feed them, stick another cane toad sausage on the barbie, <laughs> And then they feed them to dogs, dogs. and yes, the idea yes, yes. is that the dogs, there's not enough cane toad in it to kill it, yeah. but it will make it throw up and give it a really bad hangover, yeah. and then they'll know when that they give it. Is, a, it's just a form of vaccination. It is, and when they give, the next time they give a cane toad a little nibble, they'll recognise the taste and go, I'm no, not going to eat no, this no. completely. Yeah. And so therefore, I think that, like that with exposure to small doses of Nigel Farage now might make Australians vomit, but in future, it will teach them to steer clear of him for good. Right. How does just to flip that? Um, how does that relate to us and Chloe Wesley? Mm. <laughs> I'll think about that one. Should we talk about Boris Johnson? Yes, let's. I think we may have mentioned this before, but I've got. I really like the fact that the Telegraph are paying him two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. <laughs> quid a year to write this bollocks column. <laughs> Um, and which everyone knows what the contents are going to be, and it really is terrible. This week's was just shocking. Led the news, uh, cliche-driven oh, garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and they must have thought the lovely people of Telegraph it's premium content, three quid a week to be a Telegraph premium subscriber. Yeah, yeah. you can read anything. Then it's three quid a week. So I did, the, you know, do the maths. Yeah, two two thousand five hundred. Sorry. Two two hundred and fifty thousand. We'll take your word for it. Divided by three. <laughs> anyway, divided by fifty-two. Anyway, you only need one thousand and sixty-three Boris Johnson fans to sign up. Brilliant. Subscribe for a year, and you've paid you've back paid his money. Boris, he's paid back his money. And what is Boris Johnson doing? Yes, his staff are putting the whole contents of his fa- his column up on his Facebook page every Monday. <laughs> Meaning, meaning that there's no reason to subscribe to the Telegraph. You can just imagine news desks bashing their heads. Oh, what have we done? What have we done? Boris! Um, Do you know the Brexit dividend that everyone's been talking about? Oh, yes, I'm fully aware of that. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's arrived already. Does it? Because this week, Tim Martin, we see him, don't we? He looks, you know, he's... What a dude. He looks like he's been in a Weatherspoons, hasn't he? And, and, and well, I expect he probably has. He's the boss of Weatherspoons, and he keeps saying there'll be no downside by Bre- to Brexit whatsoever. That's right. And this week, Citibank downgraded shares in Weatherspoons from uh, from neutral to sell. They told their customers to sell Get all out. their shares in Weatherspoons, and Weatherspoons uh, shares went down by six p, costing Tim Martin, you know, a lot of money. Yeah, and I think that that is the first sign of a Brexit dividend for me. He was on, he was on the TV spouting nonsense as well over there. Was he? Yeah, he was said, his face rather red. Yeah, he said, um, he said, uh, he was talking to uh, Jess Phillips, and he and she, he was saying, I love Jess we, Phillips. if we just, yeah, she's very good, isn't she? If yeah, we just, um, if we have a no deal, we won't have to pay the divorce bill, and we can, um, you know, everyone will get six hundred pounds. And just was like, yes, but oh, we've already lost more than a thousand jobs because Jaguar Land Rover have left, and uh, and you know this is not actually going to be a, a six hundred pound that's going to land in anyone's account. And he said, no, you could, you could let everyone have six hundred pounds each. Yes, to spend at Weatherspoon. Yeah, that'd be some session at Weatherspoon. Six hundred pounds, that is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Liam Fox, should we do Liam Fox? Foxy really enjoyed him on Andrew Marr. Nice to see Andrew Marr back, isn't it? It is, yeah. And he um, he 
he went on and um, and rather last so last week in this slot we talked about David Davis, didn't we? Who said all economic predictions are pointless? There's no pointless. point in making economic predictions. Absolutely. And then he rounded Need off them. his son column yeah. by son <laughs> column by making an economic prediction. Liam Fox went on Andrew Marr and he said they talked about well the Treasury have said this is going to. Uh, borrowing is going to have to rise by 80 billion over the next 15 years and he said that is totally stupid the idea that anyone would be able to make a reasonable guess uh, about what our borrowing would be 15 years in advance is a bit hard to swallow two weeks ago Liam Fox's uh, department launched its export strategy and his foreword to that signed by Liam Fox began in the next 10 to 15 years (laughs) 90% of economic growth is going to be generated outside the EU don't do you th- I just wonder sometimes. Do they even? I mean, it's a, they're just blagging their way day after day, aren't they? Just blagging their way through. Just hope no one's going to notice, do yeah. they? Don't yeah. they? Well, that's good job you're here, Steve. Yeah, but the Brexiteer of the week, and he's yeah. not been Brexiteer of the week for a long time, okay. is Roger Helmer. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> sleepy old Roger Helmer. <laughs> His Twitter handle still Roger Helmer MEP, isn't it? Is it? By, by, by the fact that he's not been an MEP for nearly a year now, because uh, he resigned, didn't he? Did yes. Um, anyway, he is fuming. Is he? He's fuming. He's walking up angry. He's fuming with the Telegraph. Is What's all this? He's fuming with the Daily Telegraph because no one told him you can get the free content. You don't have to pay. You just put it. On, just read it on Boris Johnson's Facebook. He's putting all of it on there. Now even the sport and <laughs> yeah. um, even the cricket. There was a thing in the Telegraph motoring section, and it's and he this is really riled Roger up, and it said petrol is killing the, our planet and everybody on it. Ooh. Uh, and Roger Helmer tweeted, if that's true, how come in the last 100 years, as petrol usage has surged, world population has increased from 1.8 billion to 7.6 billion? <sighs> now, it could be that, you know, there's been substantial medical advances, there's much better hygiene, there's much better sanitation. All of this has led to a rapid decline in child mortality and, and actually in in mortality among the old, hasn't it? And I mean, the combination that is, of that... That is, an issue. That, is a, that is a good point, Steve. Or, or could it be that the magical life-giving properties of petrol, drinking petrol, yeah. have caused this? Well, I used to work in a petrol station yeah. many, many moons ago. Chugging on a pump. It was a fine job, but we did have issues with people drinking petrol. <laughs> It was it was near Leeds. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, people drinking petrol, um, and I have to say, does having, it make you sleepy drinking having petrol? Met, having met those people and chased them off right, away okay. from the pumps, I'm not sure they're probably still with us. No. So I'm not sure that it is. It has got like it's not the elixir. No. No. So Roger Helmer, for that spectacular piece of petrol-related uh, nonsense, is the Brexiteer of the week. One tip, if you are going to drink petrol, I strongly advise against it. Mix. Don't Use light, a mixer. Don't light a fag afterwards. No. Definitely not. Don't do that. Don't do that. What should the listener do right now, Steve? Well, uh, as mentioned earlier on in this podcast, it would be really nice if you supported the work of the New European by going to our crowdfunder at www.steadyhq.com. Uh, and there are uh, some lovely people who have done this. Yes, who? Uh, Peter Davis. Thanks, Peter. David Bone. Thank you. Ian LeBeau. Excellent name. Kate Edmonds. Thank you, Kate. And Ian Valentine. And Jane Valentine. So, uh, that, who I hope are Valentines. Yes. Well, they are. I think that's the second mention they've got on this pod. I think Is they it? sneaked in last week oh, as well. Excellent. Well, maybe they've given us more money again. That, that's how happy we are. So, thank you. Just search for the New European when you get there. SteadyHQ.com. You can also, of course, uh, leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. Yes. Give us lots of lovely stars. Yeah, we love that. Tell us how great we are. You can follow me on Twitter at Porrit, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. You can follow The New European on Twitter, at The New European. And you can also like us on Facebook and join our Facebook readers group. That was The New European Podcast, another one in the book. If you haven't already, 
go and buy the new European. It is £2.50. It's got an extraordinary front and it's got some extraordinary writing in it as well. It's on sale across the nation in good news agents as we speak. We'll be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, could you please do the honours? Here you go.